0: Thank you again for being here. It's a little bit overwhelming. Um, It's hard, hasn't sunk in, but it's great. You're all amazing. Just say that, hey? Um, So, I'm going to tell you a little story. In Refresh at the moment, uh, we've been talking the last few weeks about solid foundations. So, the importance of having a strong foundation. And for us uh, as a church community, how more important it is when it comes to your faith to have a strong foundation. And when um, you think about foundations too, sometimes you think of history, because when we understand our history, then we also get a deeper understanding of ourselves. But I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of our church, but I'm going to take it from a slightly different angle today. Um so, just to give you a little bit of context, I'm just going to tell you a story, really. I wish I could say I know it off by heart, but not quite. So, if you're new here, as I said before, if you're new and you've got any questions or whatever, please do come and chat to us. It's so great that you're here. You know, I always believe at this time on a Saturday morning, you're here because you're here for a reason. Um, we talk about this quite often. It's not often you get to sit and just be still. And what a great time to be able to just let God reach into your heart and speak to you. Let you discover a little bit more about how great God is. So just let yourself be and see what God has for you this morning. So Ellen was born a twin in November 1827. I counted that up. That's a fairly long time ago, 1827. Anyone super mathematical, you can work it out pretty quick. In Maine a northeastern state in the United States. Her humble parents lived on a small farm at the time, but shortly after, they did move to the city of Portland. One day when Ellen was only nine, and there might be just a few of you in here at nine, most of them have gone out to small group. We might remember one thing about when you were nine. Well, when Ellen was nine, she was walking home from school and a classmate who was mucking around threw a stone which hit her directly on the face out of that became a quite serious injury. In fact, so much so that Ellen was in an unconscious state, a coma of some description, for three weeks. The family actually thought that she might not pull through it. But with determination, even though she was frail, this little girl miraculously did pull through. Unfortunately, though, for Ellen... She was unable to continue at school. Now, I think for some of the guys over here and over here, they'd be going, yes, finished school at nine. How fantastic. Um, But uh, it was actually for her uh, unfortunate, but she already knew how to read and write. And for that, she was thankful and she loved, and that was enough. The number of siblings in her family continued to grow, up to seven siblings. So needless to say, it was a pretty, I don't know how many siblings you had in your home or how many you have in your home, but we have two and it's in our, f- in, in our ho- home there's two brothers and they're pretty noisy at times and they squabble at times, but I can't imagine seven. In fact, my dad was one of eight, so he might be able to give me a better picture. But there was a lot of, not, of, lot, not a lot of money to go around. When Ellen was 12, she went to some Christian meetings and she sat and she was enthralled and she was drawn in to what the presenter was saying. She fell in love with this God that that he was talking about. And as she did, at the end of that little series, that time together, she wanted to be baptized and she was. Just like Jared, at 12, she was baptized to declare Her love for God. She was passionate and eager to know more and to really dig into what the Bible had to say. Ellen and her family were actually really curious about the Bible and they explored it. And as they explored it, they became convinced of something that the Bible was teaching that Jesus would return. Now, as Christians, we celebrate Christmas. Uh, Christmas is the first time Jesus came as a man, it's an amazing story. At the end of his time here on earth, the Bible says, the Bible account says he went back to heaven. And these people studied and, and came to the belief and understanding that Jesus was going to come back real soon, very soon, so soon, that their eagerness in their heart burned with a fire, so much so that Ellen, who was now only a teen, 14 or 15 years old, and some of you guys are here at that age, she, would, she couldn't help but tell others about Jesus and Jesus' soon return. In fact, when she was 16, her family and those in her small group of circle of her family friends who were on this journey together, they came up with that Jesus was going to come on an exact date, October 22, 1844. Imagine if you believed that. Imagine if you believed that Jesus was going to return within a year of your life. You can imagine the urgency. You can imagine the passion. And Ellen was only 16 at this time. Try and picture as those days rolled on to that very night, that very day, what you you would be doing. Think about the times that make your heart pound the most. It might be uh, on Wednesday night when you're watching State of Origin in the last few minutes. If you're a New South Wales supporter, you were hoping you'd cross the line. And if Queensland, you were hoping they didn't. But urgency, excitement. But that day came and that day went. And that urgency and that excitement turned to something that was termed the great disappointment. Ever been disappointed? I'm sure we can all relate to disappointment. So you know the feeling that comes with disappointment. They were so disappointed, discouraged, but not defeated. They would stand again and rise again. They would go back to the Bible and look at it again because surely they've got something wrong, but they want to find what it is. They know they misunderstood. And Ellen, 16... To more prayer, more, more reading, seeking and asking God, show us God. She wanted to know more. She knew this God was a God of love, and she wanted to know more. And then one very ordinary day, Ellen had gathered with a few girlfriends, and they were in having maybe like a small group. Now we're chatting around the table about God and life. And in the middle of the time together, Alan had what could best be described as like a vision. And in her vision, she saw people, Advent people, people that believed that Jesus was going to come back. She saw them going to heaven. And that just burned inside of her because of the great disappointment they'd had and the misunderstanding that they had. This was a confirmation that, yes, Jesus was going to come back. And, yes people were going to go to heaven even though they got some things wrong it was a hope and an assurance that helped with the bitterness bitter disappointment and so from this time just 17 years old when she had that ellen actually continued to receive other special messages from god and she was encouraged she would use these to encourage people in their journey with god she would use this these special connections that she had to help others know Jesus. Then, one fine day on a trip to Maine, which was another state, is another state in that northwest area of America, Ellen met a very young Advent preacher. His name was James White. He was 23, and he obviously was a pretty cool dude because um, that sparked a flame, which they ended up getting married. So, Ellen was 18 when she got married. So watch out, 18-year-olds. No, (laughs) Young love, 18 and 23. In fact, these guys and their friends were all very much young adults, around that age bracket, 18 to 23 to 25. And they kept discovering and kept looking into the Bible, wanting to know more. Think about the things that you want to know more of. Often we want to know more of things to do with cars, or maybe TV shows, or maybe fashion, or maybe our area of interest, or our um, hobby. These guys just wanted so much to know more about what the Bible was saying. It wasn't long, actually, after that, that um, Ellen had a little baby. And James, he did little odd jobs for work, but on the most, what he really liked to do was preach. So they were pretty poor. They didn't have a lot of money. And it wasn't long after they'd been married, as they were reading, they actually came to uh, a part in the Bible that they hadn't really spent much time in before or understood. And it was talking about a day of rest. And the day of rest that the the Bible talked about was the seventh day, which was the Saturday. And this was all so new to them. But there was something that just deeply convicted them that this was what the Bible taught. James kept preaching. And Ellen, she loved to read and write and travel and encourage people. So at 24, she wrote her first book. And that was going to be the first of over 40 books that she would write. And in the next eight years, she became mum to four children. Her last child passed away when he was just two months old. Most of us understand grief, don't we? Some it's been really close to us. Some it's a little bit more distant. Ellen, these were challenging days. But for her, she continually trusted and was faithful to the God she knew and the God she loved. By 1863, Ellen was now in her mid-30s. She's getting up there. A new movement was established, and it was called the Seventh-day Adventists. They were a group of people who loved God. They loved the Bible, and they were convicted that there was more than this life, that Jesus was going to return. And they were convicted too, that God had given us a special day called the Sabbath, the seventh day, to spend with God, to build a relationship with God and with others. Ellen and this group of people also believed in some other things. They believed in holistic health and well being and the importance of Christian education. So, this whole group started to foster the development of Christian schools and hospitals and, col- um, and health centers. And Ellen, she continued to write, she continued to travel, and she continued to preach. In fact, so much so that this little movement in the northwest started to grow out of America and into the shores of other parts of the world. When Ellen was in her 50s, her husband James passed away. And in fact, between as the years ha- be- before um, James had passed away, she had also lost a second son from pneumonia at 16. You know, there's always seasons of life, as we said, difficult ones. But she continued to stay strong. In her 60s, which you think it's time to retire and put your feet up, right? She felt this urge that God was leading her to Australia, which on Qantas is not that far away. But in the 1800s, that was a long way away. That was truly down under. So for Ellen... True to wanting what she felt God, following what she felt God wanted her to do, she came to Australia. And here, again, God placed on her heart to start up health and education things here in Australia, amongst supporting and encouraging people as they share Jesus' love here. So for Ellen, she was a pioneer to something called Avondale College, which some of you will have heard of in New South Wales. It's a tertiary college that continues to provide tertiary education to this day. She was uh, the founding one of the founders of what's called Sydney Adventist Hospital, um, a, a very renowned hospital in Sydney. She was also a founder of something called Sanitarium, which is a health food company. And some of you may have even had Wheat bix this morning. She stayed here in Australia for almost nine years. And then she felt God was asking her to go back to America, where she went back. And you think by now, in her 70s, you'd retire, right? But no, she continued to teach. She continued to write. She continued to travel. It wasn't until in her early 80s she actually slipped. She broke her hip. And that had a major impact on her health and well-being. And, in nine, and when she was 87, she passed away. Her friends said that she, even in her last days, was a person of cheerfulness, someone who faithfully followed God and took joy in knowing that God, she was. She had lived her life doing what she felt God had called her to do. You know, her writing is actually considered the, the most worldly, uh, sorry, widely translated non-fiction female author to this time. She was one of the key pioneers of this church community and this school, which is bred out of her passion for Christian education. That little movement has spread across the world to almost every country around the world. That little movement from just a small group of people, now you amongst them this weekend around the world, 25 million people will come together and worship as Seventh-day Adventists. This movement has become one of the most widespread um, Protestant denominations. Over 7,500 schools around the globe, many hospitals and healthcare centres, and also a very renowned and respected amongst its peers, aid and development organisation called ADRA. So, you think back, who would have thought a 17-year-old, a woman, someone who didn't finish school and someone who was wounded would have such an impact and leave such a legacy? Many would say she's an unlikely candidate. She's too young. She was a woman. She wasn't educated, and she was wounded. And yet, she wasn't an unlikely candidate. She was a very likely candidate. What set her apart? Interestingly enough, last week here at Refresh, we talked about God. Who is God? It was a really easy question to ask, answer, I should say, or not. We had a good go at it. And in that, we talked about God, and we actually read this, passage from the Bible and this is the passage that I want to leave with you today. Our young people today, our not so young people today. This was actually in, in a story of another person who felt called by God to give special messages to a people of their time. His name was Isaiah. And God in, in this story leading up to this verse, Isaiah is actually having a vision where he sees himself in heaven, and he sees himself in front of God. And in doing so, he sees how inadequate he is, how amazing God is. And he also sees how his people are also inadequate. And he just falls to his knees, and he wants to make a difference. And it says this, Isaiah 6, 8 says... Then I heard the voice of the Lord and he said, who will I send? Who will go for us? And I said, so the God's saying to Isaiah, who will I send? Who will go for us? And I, Isaiah, said, here am I. Send me. You see, Ellen was willing and that's what set her apart. That's what set her apart. We don't have to be a Martin Luther King. We don't have to be a Nelson Mandela. We just need a willing heart. With a willing heart, Jared, your friends, young people, with a willing heart, who knows what God will do in and through you. This young 17-year-old woman was part of a movement that has spread across the world and you're a part of because you're Never underestimate what a willing heart will do when it's given to God. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, this morning, uh, we have come together just to celebrate you. It's amazing, God. As inadequate as we feel to you, we're amazing. You love us. You adore us. You cherish us. And when we put our hand in your hand, God, you will do amazing things beyond what we could ask and imagine in our our lives for you and for your glory. Thank you for people that have gone before us that have been courageous to stand up, courageous to be willing and say, yes, it's not easy. There's criticism, there's difficulties. And yet, God, with you, we can be sure it's going to be a good thing. God, help us to rise up whether we're young or whether we're not so young, and just again come to you and say, God, I'm willing to be used by you this week, for you, this year, for you, in my life for you. We thank you, God, that you're a good God. We thank you for Jared and all those who have impacted his life. And we continue to ask God for each of us that you will draw us a bit closer to you today. Help us to take another step just to discover how deep your love is for us. These things we ask and pray in Jesus' name.